Welcome everyone to the Washington Financial Group Fiduciary Fitness Podcast Series. Uh, my name is Colin Clark, Senior Vice President of Retirement at uh, Washington Financial Group Hub Mid-Atlantic. And again, I'm joined by Jennifer Amato, who's the Director uh, CPA at uh, SCNH uh, out of Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, we're very excited to have Jennifer with us. Welcome again. Thanks, Colin. So kind of in concluding our series, uh, we've talked a lot about um, how to ensure, you know, a a better audit process. We've talked about the CARES Act. And and one thing that you and I talk about frequently when we're doing workshops and and working with plan sponsors is, you know, we talk a lot about what are the top issues that you find in audits and how to help plan sponsors kind of get ahead of that. So what, what are the things you're seeing that happen quite often? Sure. So I would say one of the main issues we've been seeing recently is, and I shouldn't say recently, it's been it's been for a while now, is definition of compensation. And, and that really depends upon the type of organization and the types of pay that an organization may um, may have, how complex their payroll is. You know, as you know, the, the the plan document governs what the definition of compensation is. Obviously, there's there's allowable compensation, there's 415 compensation, and things like that. You know, within the within within most plan documents there are um, ways to carve out or include certain types of special compensation, if you will. Those types of compensation could be differential pay, bonuses, stipends. They're probably the main ones that we, we typically see. And then obviously, you know, are you, are you adopting 3401 type compensation, which is basically income tax compensation or just gross, you know, gross W-2 wages compensation, basically just what are you, what does your plan document say? And then just like we had spoken about in some other podcasts is really knowing your employee base and knowing, knowing your payroll system, basically. And what we see a lot of times is that the plan may have the best intention of following their payroll, their definition within payroll and excluding certain things or including certain things. However, when push comes to shove and payroll is programmed, if you will, sometimes things do not get put in the right category. A lot of times we see this fail when new pay codes are added because pay codes may not be added properly or excluded properly from 401k eligible compensation to calculate deferrals on. So in a very vanilla company where basically all compensation is included and there are no exclusions, this might not be that much of an issue. When you start getting into a little more complex of organizations or organizations that have at least different types of compensation, like if they have people paid on commissions, if they have people that get bonuses quarterly, if they have, you know, stipends, a lot of times with, you know, not-for-profits with 403B plans or these stipends that are, they're factored into compensation. That's when it gets a little more hairy. And the reason for a definition of compensation being such a, such an important issue or important point is that that is, as I mentioned, how deferrals are calculated. So you could run the risk of either too much being deferred upon or not enough being deferred if the definition of compensation isn't set up properly. And then following through from that, obviously there's the employer contribution that is based upon that, is based upon deferral a lot of times. So you could either over-contribute or under-contribute your um, matching contribution to employees and even a profit sharing if if you're doing some sort of non-discretionary or discretionary profit sharing or some sort of other employer contribution as well. You could still be over or under-contributing to employees, which again is not in accordance with the plan document and definitely something that needs to be rectified. 
Well, yeah, I, I, that's actually a really good point because I, I feel like I've been asked a, this question a lot recently about bonuses and uh, should bonuses be included? Do you opt in? Do you opt out? I, I think the trickier parts are some of the 409A compensation pieces mm-hmm. and making sure mm-hmm. we exclude those things. I mean, how do, how do you feel about you know, bonuses in, in uh, 409A? Yeah, so especially with the bonuses, um, you know, I think it again goes back to understanding your workforce as well. If because obviously you you potentially have, if you're not a safe harbor plan, obviously non discrimination rules to to deal with too. So again, some plans may elect not to allow people not to allow folks to defer on bonuses because that that could be more of your highly compensated folks and that might put the plan out of balance when it when it comes to um, year-end testing. Some some of our plans allow, as you mentioned, for an opt-in, opt-out. So there is a separate election that they can, you know, typically you're opting in for everything, but you can opt out for bonuses if you so choose to separately. So really again yeah, I know I keep saying know your employees, know your know, know your industry, things like that. But I, I think a lot of this really depends upon that. And, and if you know, you know, you know how your employees contribute, you know what your makeup is between HCEs and non-HCEs, you know whether obviously you're non-safe harbor or a safe harbor plan, things like that, that can really help you make your decision as to what you exclude or include your definition of compensation. So, no, that's great. Thank you, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, what, what would you say is like another top issue that you've been seeing recently? So another top issue that, that I would say, and it really, it, it encompasses a lot of things actually, is where we see issues come up a lot is when plans change their plan documents. That might be because they change vendors and they might change from one prototype plan to another prototype plan. They might change from a prototype to individually designed or vice versa. And obviously, as you know, well, Colin, every prototype plan, every volume submitter plan is written a little differently. Obviously, they, at the end of the day, need to get you to the same place but they may have their check boxes differently. If it's, a, if it's a prototype plan, they may have their language a little different in their volume submitter. And what you might assume is written the same way and means the same thing that, uh, that it did in your current plan might mean something different in another plan just because of the way it's written. Or you might just check the wrong checkbox. You know, a lot of times, one of the big issues that we, that we see is the contribution period for employer contributions. So, you know, in your current plan document, you've always been contributing and calculating your batch on a per payroll basis which would not require a potential true up at the end of the year, but for profit sharing, obviously you always did that on an annual basis and you had those things checked differently in your current plan document. And then your new plan document might just have one blanket section that says, you know, for all employer contributions, they are going to be calculated annual payroll. And you might check annual because Obviously, you want your profit sharing check on annually because you're going to contribute it annually. And that might throw you into a situation where, oh, I never really intended for my match to be annual, but now it is because I either checked the wrong box or it meant something different. Um, and that's, very, that's a very egregious example where, you know, I, I don't know that there's many plain documents that are written that way where you can select only one, one contribution period. But, but that's kind of a type of thing. You know, it might just be checking the wrong box in the wrong 
section. Oh, I thought I was checking that for profit sharing and I checked it for match. Yeah, no, it's, we actually had a client. This exact issue happened with them. They signed off. They sent the record keeper the plan document the way they want it written. And someone, you know, made a mistake and boom, you're operating the plan incorrectly. And, and we had to do a self-correction because the, the record keeper made a mistake in, in processing the, exactly. the correct plan document set up. And the client wanted to operate the plan like they always have. And it got misinterpreted at some level and we had to catch it. And so we, we fortunately caught it, you know, and, and had to go through a self-correction, but it, it was really unfortunate. I mean, people are human and they make mistakes, um, sure. you know, even though a lot of eyes and, uh, you know, a lot of people saw that, that document, it's still, you know, once you kind of send it out, the, the wrong boxes were checked. It's, it's crazy. Right. Yeah. So I think the, you know, the, the key there is, like you said, everyone's human and just make sure that, you know, you're, you're doing that double check. You know, I, I know I tell people all, all the time, you know, I, I, I know that you think to your point that you sent what you wanted to your record keeper and they checked the boxes, but how much time does it take to do a quick double check when you get that draft document before you sign it? And it yeah. could save you a lot of headaches and, and potentially a lot of money, depending on what the correction needs to be to, to bring everything into, into compliance. Well, that's a great point. And, and uh, I think a lot of people don't realize that their retirement plan is actually a big, you know, liability. I mean, you know, of course, we're, you know, you know at Hub International, we, we're in the risk business, right? We're, we're mitigating risk at all right. times. And I, I, you know, sometimes I don't feel like people appreciate the amount of risk that exists in a retirement plan until something happens, which, you know, we want to be that beacon, you know, that, that lighthouse, and, and show people, hey, let's not get it to the point where Jen and SCNH are catching issues, right? We want to be very proactive right. and have preventative measures, not uh, reactionary measures. So that's how we work as a team, as professionals with, with our clients. That's why, again, that's why this podcast has been great because uh, we're really, you know, getting people to think about, you know, the dif- different issues that they want to be cognizant of as they're managing their plans. So absolutely, uh, Jen, this has been great. Thank you for this great podcast series. And No problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time on the uh, Washington Financial Group uh, Fiduciary Fitness Podcast Series. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our show, we'd love for you to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you access your podcasts. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice offered through Global Retirement Partners, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Global Retirement Partners, Washington Financial Group, a division of Hub International Mid-Atlantic and Hub International are not affiliated with LPL Financial. Global Retirement Partners, LPL Financial, Washington Financial Group, and Hub International are not affiliated in any way with the services offered by any guest on this show.